Blow the horn, let's go. And everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a so place they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, 45-34, 11-point margin. That's probably what we would have guessed, but uh, somehow the route to getting there left uh, a little disappointment throughout the process. How, how, do you, how do you break that down? Man, I'm just going to tell you that we have reminded the listeners that we are spoiled, and I'm just going to say I'm really spoiled. Because I, I spent most of the game talking about the missed opportunities to put this team away and to put our foot on their throat and to make their ass quit. And several times during the game, I remember saying, okay, the score should be 49 to 10 right now. The score should be 49 to 10 right now. And, dude, I'm happy we won. But I know that I have become complacent. Because, you know, pre-Saban, I would have just been, you know, clenching my, my fist and just, man, can we win this game? Instead, I was sitting there wishing, you know, why we hadn't put them away sooner. And I have to say, when the game was over, I was not satisfied. I'm sorry to say this. I should be. But I, I, I was thinking, why did we make them look better than they are? And yeah, uh, I think that's just the way I felt, man. No, I think that's fair. I think uh, Oklahoma is a is a potent offense, and and they put up a lot of a lot of points and a lot of yards, and and their style of quarterback play is certainly something that, you know, over the years has given us have given us trouble. And so a coworker asked me, you know, what I thought the margin would be just as the game was about to kick off, and I said, you know, it's probably a forty nine thirty one kind of kind of game, and so. I was directionally close, but but off, you know, in both directions a little bit. And and we actually got an email from longtime listener Eric uh, from from Boston. And and I think he sort of sums up my mentality on this game pretty, pretty accurately. He said, you know, if you had told me a week out that we were going to beat them by 11, I'd be pretty excited about that, recognizing sort of the context. But, you know, when we jump out 28 to nothing uh, and then only air quotes win by 11 it's a little deflating that's a, that's a little what what had happened and i i think a little bit of it uh is and i give a lot of credit to oklahoma for this uh i think they showed some perseverance and resolve that we don't often see as alabama fans in uh in our opponents uh and i think there was a little bit of expectation from our players that we're up 21 nothing on these guys. They're going to fold because we've seen it so many times. And I think our players have played with a little bit of exhale uh, after that. I don't know if that – I don't know if you sort of felt uh, the same way about it, but but that's that's why – that's kind of how I interpret the situation. Yeah, man, I was – deflated is a good way to word it, okay? And while we, we normally have to wait to flip the field – I, I, I can't hold my water on this until we get to the defense. And Go so if it. you will allow me and just give me your quick take for, you know, a few seconds, it's an emotional game. These are young kids, right? And they feed off emotion. And when it was 28 to nothing, it was time to put this team away. And I'm just going to tell you that Mac Wilson has been reading his press clippings too much. 
or he's been talking to too many sports agents that will tell him how high he could be drafted if he leaves after his junior year. But he is one of the emotional leaders of this team. And I think that on that play where he got leveled by Curtis Lamb, and it was because he was out of position, and that was the first of many times he was out of position, which cost the the few explosive plays they had was predominantly due to his bad game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what ignited this team. And they even talked about it. The, the commentators even talked about it, that you know it's a play like that that could get them going. I'm not saying that was the turning point in the game, but when Curtis Lamb leveled Mac Wilson on that play, it gave them their second wind, and they seemed to play a little differently after that. I think I, I think there's fairness to that. I think that I and and I have a I do have a healthy respect for Oklahoma. I do have a healthy respect for the potency of their offense and uh, and how well they have played this year. And so when you have a team like that that has that mental resolve, that just be real, not a lot of teams do, but they do. And they were looking for something. Something is going to be the spark that's going to light the fuse. And that play is just can be just that type of event. And I think I think here we're sort of landing on on similar ground. Um, it's a team that had some resolve. They were looking for something to sort of kick them in the pants. And uh, and a big play like that, uh, and a big hit, uh, little little receiver on a big linebacker. You know, plus the yardage you get out of the play. Um, you know, really, really seem to light a fire under them. So I think there's something to that. Uh, why don't we save? Maybe you've got some more on that. If if you'll allow, why don't we save that for defense? And what we run? Why don't we run through some offense? No, absolutely, man. So you know, <clears throat> we had heard people say before this game that Oklahoma's defense is so bad that Alabama might score every time they get the ball. And Oklahoma will not be able, and, and Oklahoma would have to score every time they got the ball, right, mm-hmm. to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, looking at this, looking back at this from an offensive standpoint, you know, when when I found out that Oklahoma was averaging giving up 292 yards a game on passing defense, and that they were dead last in all of college football against the pass, all right. I was like, it takes a lot to average 300 yards a game, right? The fact that you're averaging giving up 300 yards a game means that you've really had some stinkers, right? And so, so you know, going into this game, um, I like the fact that they wanted to show early that Tua, you know, that that Tua had mobility and that Tua could throw the ball. And Oklahoma man was was just intent on not. <clears throat> They gave Alabama – okay, it goes back to take what the defense gives you, right? This is like the the epitome of this because in this game, Alabama must have saw that Oklahoma was susceptible to the slant pattern, and so they just ran it over and over and over and over again. Were you surprised that at some point Oklahoma did not try to scheme the positioning of their secondary to stop the slant that seemed to work? over and over again yeah I think even the commentators were like you know I guess Brett Venerables for Clemson better start working on the slant because uh you know Oklahoma surely has not you know as you were saying the uh and I've not thought about it quite in this context but you were saying it 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 forced me to think you know Oklahoma has ranked so poorly 
in the pass defense and giving up so many yards in the pass defense. And the irony there is that they played Army this year. And so, and so Army maybe completed two passes that game. I mean, I haven't looked at the metrics, but, you know, they're an option team. They keep the ball on the ground. They don't, you know, their quarterback's a, an ex-fullback kind of, you know, that's their style of offense. And you would think that that would dumb down the numbers a little bit. So to still finish so poorly and then to have, you know, a team that, that maybe got 12 yards passing, but to still be giving up averaging 300, that's that's hard to do, right? It is hard to do. And to your point, because you had me curious, right? <clears throat> Oklahoma beat Army in overtime. Yes. The final score of that game for the listeners was 28 to 21. So while we can give Oklahoma a little bit of love here, they, they had to squeak out in overtime against Army. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I will say that our game with Citadel, now we didn't squeak out in overtime win, but um, it wasn't pretty at half. And so it, at least at some level, I get it. Uh, it's a style of play you don't see, you know, every day. Uh, and, you know, we sort of buckled down uh, and they did not and they almost lost. But uh, uh, and so I, I see a little bit of little nod that I'll give there, but for it to go to overtime, but, uh, you know, and I don't know if you've got the if, if you've got the full sort of stat pack there, but but uh, oh, yeah, I would I imagine the Army did you, not man. pass for a lot of yards. Yeah. So for the listeners, man, uh, uh, Army finished with three hundred and seventy nine yards of total offense. They had more yards of total offense than Oklahoma. Uh, only 40 yards passing. They there only attempted go. nine passes. They okay. ran the ball 78 times for 340 yards on Oklahoma. Yeah, and so I don't want to get too lost in, um, you know, those numbers because, you know, Army style of play, and, and we had this with Citadel too, right, where, um, you know, the style of play can create its own mismatch. But sure. if you step back from that and you say, here you have a defense that finished last in all of football, averaging over 300 yards, uh, uh, giving up over 300 yards passing per game. And, oh, by the way, one of the juggernauts on their schedule only passed for 40 yards. I mean, you got to make up that 260 yards somewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they have a – or you can just take it out exactly, right? So it's almost like it's out of the denominator, right? Yeah. And so, therefore, so therefore, that average is even bigger kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That, but, I mean, you know, 40 yards is such an anomaly – low you would think that at least that would have you would think like there should be su some sucking sound on reducing the average but shit <laughs> maybe well, not to, to put it in to put it in perspective for you they gave up they had five teams this year score over 40 points on them yeah kansas five being teams. one yeah kansas was yeah so kansas 40 texas tech 46 oklahoma state 47 west virginia 56 that was the biggest thinker right and so so anyway i i was were they were they were they being like that against the okay? Was the reason the slant was so open because they were so scared to get beat over the top, and so they were just you know giving them room underneath? I think I think that was part of it. Um, I think the skill and speed of our receivers, um, you know, probably probably caught them. I mean, we run we run a lot of slants, uh, you know, over the course of the season. And there's, uh, we have a willingness to, to throw those slants over the middle that, that at least, and I don't track all 
all the other teams, but historically that has not been something Alabama has done. Um, uh, now, granted, you would think that you would you would compensate for that, uh, but it's it's a little bit of how do you get to how, how do you get to be so poor in pass defense? It's because you don't compensate for that, and so it's almost you know we could chase our tail on this. How could they not make that that compensation? Well because it's not in their DNA, <laughs> I think is, is, is the long of the short answer. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Were, were you surprised in this game that Damian Harris did not get more carries? Obviously Josh Jacobs, I get the whole Oklahoma roots. I get the whole, you know, the whole story coming into this game, but going back to the whole, you know, Damian Harris, a thousand yards kind of deal. He finishes with 13 carries. Josh had 15 carries. Obviously, Damien got two touchdowns on his 13 mm-hmm. carries, uh, but he only got 48 yards. Um, you know, obviously, he finished with a 3.7 average, and Josh had 6.5. Uh, so, obviously, a difference there. But were you, were you surprised the senior did not get more of the 42 carries, 42 carries that the team had? Not really, and 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 this will sound like I'm throwing shade on on Damian, and and I really don't mean that. Uh, you know, I was I was sort of texting with our Swedish correspondent, you know, the leading up to the game, who you know he was thinking Damian was going to have a really good day, and and I was thinking Najee was going to have uh, the really big day. He's a, he's a big physical back, and and with a, an extra burst of speed. Uh, and it turns out, you know, J- uh, Jacobs, you know, kind of the X factor back. He was the X factor. I think that, you know, Saban doesn't chase individual stats if he wanted to get Damon. And it's not that he didn't want to get Damon a thousand, but had he set out to get Damon a thousand yards, he would have had that much earlier in the season. Um, and for and, and for whatever reason, he, I don't think that's something that Saban had on his, you know, 2018 football season to do list. Um, you know, if it happened, it happened, but he wasn't going to chase it. So in in. In, in the context of that, I'm, I'm really not surprised that, you know, Damian got, you know, d- you know, twice as many carries as, as Najee, almost as many carries as Jacobs. Wasn't nearly the hot hand uh, that Jacobs was, but near the end zone, he got, you know, he went to the senior to get, you know, the two touchdowns. And so, you know, there's there might be a little bit that says, hey, in the middle of the field, you're not our most dynamic back. And it's not that you're not good. It's just you're not as dynamic as the other two guys. But near the end zone, I don't want anyone else carrying the ball. Um, and I think those two things can be true. Uh, and I think that's I think that's kind of what we saw. And then Jacobs, I mean, he's always been electric. You know, last year he was injured, so you kind of take that out. But he he was he was truly amped up, uh, understandably so, playing you know his home state Sooners. Uh, he was especially amped up, and uh, and uh, I think he sort of laid some wood to a couple of Oklahoma defenders. No, this is true. Now, now going back to the going back to the the play where Oklahoma kind of got life there. Uh, that that we'll talk more about the the Mac Wilson angle, you know, later. At, at this point, I guess I guess take take a second if you would, and 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 talk to me. Um, Talk to me about the the series right there at the end of the half because I thought yeah. that was a critical series, and at that point, you know they are up um, twenty eight to ten. Oklahoma has you know gotten clawed back in the game with ten points, and you know Jedrick Willis just 
uh, it was the Jedrick Willis penalty show, right? And so, you know, he has the he has the first big uh, penalty that that Alabama is able to to overcome on the holding call, right? And two is able to find, you know, Devontae Smith on a second and thirteen and set up a third and one and. And then we fast forward down to the third and one, man, where, where Jedrick Willis is, is jumping off there. Um, talk, talk to me, talk to me about, talk to me about your thoughts on that, because I thought when they were able to overcome the false start, Mm -hmm. but yet then, but then they had the, you know, the, the touchdown that was a race too. So I, I guess, give me your thoughts when it was third and one at the 15, you know, was this just a lack of focus on Will's part because they are up 28 to nothing? Because obviously he had a couple bad plays back to back there. Yeah, I think it I think it was on on that possession, on that Alabama possession. Uh, poor, poor Jedrick um, had three separate penalties, including the one that that you mentioned. And then um, we also had a third and five or a, <clears throat> yeah, third and five and Damian. Uh, uh, moved illegally, and so we had four penalties on that one drive that that um, that really sort of threw us out of out of kilter. Um, I, I have a little bit of a and and you didn't prep me for this. I I, I might surprise you here a little bit. But I have oh, a real, little real, bit of, real quick, yeah, real quick before you say that. So when Damien had his penalty, which I think was really salt in an open wound. Yes, it was fourth and one. And was that so, fourth and one? Okay. Yeah, his penalty is when they were getting a little cute, which I want your take on too. And that went from a fourth and one to a fourth and six, and they had to kick the stupid field they goal. Had to kick the field goal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna do a couple of things here. I'm gonna have a little bit of a contrarian view because I don't think it was as uh, apocalyptic as as it might otherwise seem. Um, I know you don't want four penalties on a drive. Uh, I know that you would always rather score touchdowns than field goals. I understand that. However, sometimes things can be looked at through, you know, some things, sometimes more than one thing can be true. And so here's here's sort of the dots I want to throw out, and, and you can tell me I'm nuts, and that's okay too. When we had second and five at the 19 with two minutes, exactly two minutes left, and then, you know, we went through the, the sequence of events that that happened and we ended up kicking the field goal and on the ensuing kickoff they got the ball with 45 seconds left now second five into 19 we could have gone ahead and scored and given them the ball with about a minute 45 a minute 50 left in the game with uh the 35 40 seconds that they had they moved the ball about about 50 yards Uh, this is going into half they were getting possession coming out of half and so that's sort of the groundwork. And so what what happened, what I think could have happened is if we had scored a quick touchdown there, then there's a they're they're starting to get their get themselves together, get some momentum. There's an opportunity they have to score a quick touchdown going into half and then let that sort of bubble them up uh, with some enthusiasm and score a quick touchdown coming out of coming out of half. And so when you start to look through those types of possessions, they're getting two back-to-back possessions. And you and I have talked about how critical it is to not let a team score, you know, back-to-back like that. Then you start, it becomes sort of a math problem. Well, it could be that we score a touchdown and they score two touchdowns. And so we lose that exchange 
7 to 14. And then you sort of run the numbers. There's all different sorts of permeations there. The fact now, granted, we would rather have had a touchdown, but with us consuming all of that extra time, we kick a field goal. They don't score going into half. And in their first first possession out of half, they kick a field goal. And so their two possessions to our one, we net out 3-3. Three, three. I don't know that taking that big step back and, and looking at it through maybe a different unconventional lens, I don't know that I'm disappointed that we net out 3-3 three, three right there. I'm with you on netting out 3-3. Three, three. But on fourth and one, so 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 Jedrick Wills, okay, had Irv Smith scored his touchdown, right? Yep. Which he which he earned his touchdown on uh, on on the third and five yep. where uh, Wills had the penalty, which which I think was actually a, a I don't even think it was a great call. I, I, later that in the one game, I did not think was a good call, but I, I'm with you. I, I don't even think I don't even think he was in the backfield, but. So so overcoming that, right, when Tua runs nine yards to set up third and one at the – excuse me, fourth and one at the 15, and Saban goes for it, which I love the call to go for it. Uh-huh. There's 29 seconds left at that point, Dave, on fourth and one at the 15. And so give me your thought then at least on the cutesy formation – of Damien coming in motion and then he has to stop and then he's leaning forward and so he falls forward and gets his false start and 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 two is out here in the in the slot to the left and Josh Jacobs is in the game and he's going to get the direct snap at the Wildcat. I'm sorry, man. There's 29 seconds left in the first half. It's fourth and one at the 15. Put two his ass under center and just run the damn ball up the you know up the gut and get a first down. You could have got a first. You could have got a first down on fourth and one at the fifteen to to kind of play into your point. Mm-hmm. You could have got the first down on fourth and one, and now there's like twenty eight seconds yeah. to call a timeout, and you could have really sat here and milked this a little more. But you also could have put you could have put the team away, because what frustrates me is when they went into half and it was only thirty one to ten. This high potent offense is like we're only down twenty one. But if you could have gone into half down by more than thir- three scores, then it's a little more empty. You see what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we fought back and the score is still, you know, 34 to 10. We fought back, but we're still down by 24 points. Right. So that's what, that's what frustrates me is it, it seemed like an opportunity to put the team away there. And while I thought Mike called a great game, that was a little bit too cutesy for fourth and one team going against such a crappy defense. Yeah, I and that's fair, right? There's there's multiple lenses and perspectives and, and sort of breakdowns on on this. I think again, I I'm not arguing against scoring touchdowns and I'm not arguing against just lining up and beating the snot out of the guy in front of you. I think there's a there's other ways of, you know, perhaps looking at it. Yeah, I don't think all of Jedrick's plays uh you know, at least one of them I thought was was sort of a, a chintzy call. And I do agree. I, I do think there's, you know, Jacobs has been effective in in the Wildcat. And so I could see where uh, and he certainly had a hot hand. And so I could see that being not so bad of a play. It looked like. Damien was expecting that we were going to run with a little bit of tempo and that and 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 he sort of got his weight o- over his toes uh, a little bit, and I don't know what the hesitation. It'd be interesting to kind of hear what what really happened there. 
but I, I don't argue against, you know, let's just line up. Now, we don't line up under center a whole lot anyways, but the concept of let's not be cute, let's just run this downhill. And I kept waiting in, in, in some packages like that, and we saw this against – who do we see this against? Was it Georgia where we lined up with um, sort of a beef package um, in, in the backfield? And I kept kind of waiting, why don't we do that against these guys? Especially um, on fourth and one. Right. Sure. Why don't we line up and 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 bring in, you know, and if it's Quinn, Quinn if it's Quinnen or if it's Phil Darius or, or whoever it is, why don't we bring in a big body? And I know we were sort of down on a tight end, but we've got enough we've got enough guys, right? That that uh, bring in another guard or something, and uh, and let's go big and let's punch these guys in the mouth and and score a touchdown. So I don't I I. I think there's different ways that we could have done the same thing, but yeah, I think uh, I think we line up and, and just try to just try to bowl them over and score a touchdown there. Uh, all I right, tell me, fair. tell me real quick about the, the the listeners know all about the surgery and they know all about Tua's rehab and you know you you get out of it what you put into it, right? The fact that he was whatever mm-hmm. 80, 85, percent, whatever. Talk to me about the use of Jalen early in this game in the game with Tua, what is your thoughts on that, right? Because we, we talked about how happy we were for Jalen and how if it wasn't for Jalen coming in, they don't beat Georgia, et cetera. You know, it's an interesting predicament he's in, right? So now Tua's, you know, getting back to being able to play and, and Jalen has really helped you out in the SEC championship. Um, I expected to see Jalen in the third or fourth series and and running the team. I actually thought that, hey – he's going to give him a nod and, and let him have a series here, especially when you know they kind of got up early like they did, uh, and that didn't happen. Well, what is your what is your thought of the use of having him in the game with Tua yeah. uh, in those packages that they obviously had spent time working on during the long layoff? Well, and and you and I didn't really talk before the game, and so we didn't we're not you know we, we didn't compare notes on this, but I had a similar thought that if if we're able to get ahead of these guys and, and, you know, we're not in practice and all that stuff. And so we're susceptible to all the, the media hype as is the next guy. And so is Tua okay? He's not okay. He's 85%. What does that mean? You know? And so there was a question about Tua's relative health. And so I, you know, I thought, you know, Jalen's been playing pretty well. If there is a concern over, over Tua's health, then if we have an opportunity to get up a little bit, and we may just rotate ro- we just may rotate possessions just so we lower the risk barrier or lower the the window of opportunity for Tua to get re-injured because you know if if he gets re-injured against Oklahoma but we win the game that cost us an opportunity a real opportunity in the next one and so if we're trading blows with Oklahoma but we've got some margin then I thought we might rotate quarterbacks anyways and it sounds like you had you know not a dissimilar thought and so I think there's that. Uh, I think, and this sounds contrary to what I just said about Damian. I think I think Saban has an affinity for players and stories and circumstances. And so while he might look at Damian and say, "Look, I'm not going to force feed you a thousand yards this season. Uh, you know, have the hot hand and you'll get more carries, but I am going to give you the ball at the goal line. And so you know, you're going to have a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, and and then. At sort of at the same time, he's going to look at a player like Jalen, who I think he does have an affinity for, and who 
I mean, this be realistic. He bailed us out against the Georgia game against Georgia. And so I do think that he wanted that that story to continue. He wanted that Cinderella story to continue where, you know, Jalen has an opportunity to contribute and make big plays and is a part of the the offense. You know, we had two quarterbacks on the field earlier in, in the season and and then they both sort of you know, exchanged injuries. And so I, I think we had more in that package that 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 we did not get to see this season. And so I think there was an opportunity to get them both on the field and 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 maybe explore that package a little bit. And I think Jalen, what, he caught a pass, he threw a pass and and it, what he ran the ball once. And so I just I just think there was an intentionality in in trying to do something two with four however you want to say it, Jalen. Well, it, it seems like it seems like they wanted they wanted some opportunities for the quarterback to run the ball, but they wanted that run to be Jalen and not Tua, right? Because Jalen's a little bit more healthy than Tua. Yep. And so and so in the package when they had those couple times that, that Jalen ran the ball, I, I think to your point, like you saying about both being true this is a nod to Jalen, and oh, by the way, Tua, um, we know you're making progress, but we don't want you running the ball here. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting when Jalen had first and goal at the five and he ran the ball, uh, I think he had Damian for a touchdown, and and he chose to keep it and, yeah. you know, and, and, and didn't score there. Um, but, I, but it was interesting that we saw Jalen early like that some, but then we didn't see him late at all. Yeah, which was yeah. surprising. We didn't see him again. After I think when we got into the the eighteen eleven, eighteen eleven, eighteen eleven, when we got into that sort of two step, um, mm-hmm. I think I, I think if we had broken their serve and then got at eighteen to twenty five, then I think we would have seen it again. But when we're sort of bouncing back eighteen to eleven, eighteen to eleven, well, we can't let it go to four. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, I want to I want to quickly talk about the uh, touchdown catch by Henry Ruggs. <clears throat> Because you've given him a lot of love on this show, and we talk about these receivers being gutsy and blocking and getting their head in and just doing the little things. And yep. um, there was a game I watched today where had a receiver, the you know the star of the team, had the receiver just blocked the DB, the running back would have scored a touchdown, yep. but he he did a half-ass block and you know he didn't do anything. So on that touchdown from Rugs, man, because I'm sure you saw the replays too, he had the and he's not a big guy, right? The, the guy was prepared to come in there and swipe the ball out of his hands after he caught it, and he had the presence of mind to put that ball with his right hand up against his gut and take his left hand and hold that guy's arm away where he couldn't knock the ball loose as he was going to the ground. That was just that was just great composure on his part. I just didn't know if you saw that, or I'm sure you did, but that just most receivers on that play gets the ball knocked away. And that was just a great play by him. I think it's a. I think it. It almost never fails to amaze me. You watch a play happen in real time, and it's just so bang bang. And you go, especially with, you know, the hand fighting with DBs and receivers and the ball in play. When it happens, it's just so bang bang. But when you break it down and you look at it in slow motion, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, sometimes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there that you don't that you don't see in 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 real speed, 
And Henry Ruggs is that type of guy, right? He's catching the ball. He's blocking the other. He's got like three things going at once, and it's in a blink of an eye that it's happening. Um, that there's a and, and and you see that, you know, you see that more often. You see that a lot, I guess, uh, if you watch enough enough games. And I just have never failed uh, to be impressed by that. And Henry Ruggs, um, who will move on, but we're not done talking about him. Is is an incredible uh, ball player. I want to talk about um, <clears throat> I want to talk about Devonta Smith and um, and the fact that he he was healthy. You know, one of the things teams will do when they're breaking down an opponent is you think they might go back and look at all of their game film and as much as they've got. A lot of times they'll isolate on the most recent games and and the and the mindset is what are they doing right now. And so if you go back and look at Alabama's most recent games, you know, you've got LSU, you've got Auburn and you've got Georgia. And, you know, if you're playing Alabama, you think if I can demystify what they've done in those three games, I've got a good shot against against Alabama. And so if you're Oklahoma and you focus on those those games, then what you're missing is Devonta Smith early in the season before he was injured and he's been banged up you know, half the season, you you miss him as a real threat. And so if you go and you say they've got all these weapons, I get it, but we're going to prioritize them in this way for, you know, for defensive assignments. And then you roll into this game and Devonta Smith is as healthy as he's been all season. I think that's one way you get him catching a 50-yard uh, yard play on, his, on the first play from scrimmage because you know the name, but man, he hasn't really done anything the last six weeks of the season. I'm I'm going to worry about him less. And bam, right off the top, here's a, a healthy Devonta making a big play on you. To me, that was something that really jumped out. Well, and it makes you think that that was on purpose that it went to him, right? Is what you're sure. saying. And well, oh, it's the first play of the game, yeah, right? So you, right. you know that's during sort of the scripted period, right? Well, but so, but to your point, to your point of what you're saying is is go to him on the very first play before teams can see he's healthy, before the defensive coordinator can see he's healthy, right? That right. play might not be as successful on play 10 as it is on play one. Well, I think that's right, because if you see him out there running routes, even if you're not going to him, you can say, hey, number six, man, he's running clean routes over here. They're not throwing to him, but we need, to, keep we need to watch him. him. Right, right. As opposed to we can put our third corner on this guy, or maybe a safety because hey, look at the film, and uh, and 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 what's maybe lost in the story, uh, and you and I know it, and Alabama fans know it because we watch it every week. But Oklahoma doesn't watch Alabama every week, and so they they may not. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to say they don't follow, they don't get it, but at the same time, um, they may not have sort of, sort of the same familiarity with with what's going on. And so was he a one-hit wonder last season that really hasn't materialized and all these other guys are good and we need to really watch out for them? I mean, there's a there's a line of sight that says, yes, that's true. But there's another line of sight that says, hey, a healthy Devonta, he's as good as any of them. No, absolutely. And so I think that's a great point you make because I think them going to him on the very first play, you know, had to be by design. Yes. And um, And then just because he is healthy, right, he was he was able to you know he was able to turn that into you know to a big play to to start the game kind of deal. Yep. yep. Um, as far as what what else what else jumps out at you offensively? Uh, obviously, you know Tua Tua did look healthy, 
you know, I, I know this is special teams, so we'll we'll save it. We'll we'll save part of this for special teams. But I'm going to say that after Oklahoma had desperation to go for it on fourth down, yep, yep. Uh, and didn't get it right. They went for it on their 48. Went on for it on their 48. Didn't get it. It was a Josh Jacobs uh, story. We score. You know, after they were able to get on the board, thanks to you know the the big 39 yard play to the fullback, which we'll flip the field in a minute. They had those two fouls. And they had to kick off from the ten yard line. Okay, we'll talk about we'll, we'll we'll talk about Brian Robinson in a minute. Okay, on special teams, yep. I'm just gonna say that after they had just scratched on to make it twenty eight to seven, if we make the play right on that kickoff from the ten and we return it to like the fifty, like we should have, and now we've got decent field goal uh, field position. I think we score right again, and now it's thirty-five to seven, and we take away their will. I think that was huge. I think we would have absolutely just answered again, and it's like, oh, we finally scored, but you scored, and now it's thirty-five to seven again, and now I think they start to quit. Yeah, I want to unpack that a little bit more, but but that that possession we did end up going three and out, and so right, right, um, and and so not only did we not score, but we went three and out and and not even like, Hey, we drove the field and missed a field goal. No, we went three and out. It got their defense off the three field. They were New York. Or, that's a yeah. victory for their defense. That's a win for their defense. And well, to your point, to your point real quick, it was three plays for no yards. We gained no yards. We threw three incomplete passes. And then whenever we punted the ball, which we'll talk about on special teams and we did a great 34 yarder, they started their next drive on the 50 yard line. Yes. Yes. All of that. Let's break that down more in special teams. No, absolutely. What else jumped out at you on on offense? Do you want to talk about the Jerry Judy catch because he came so close to to catching that ball on the sideline? He really did, and and you know to think that you know two was twenty four twenty seven almost ninety percent you know completion percentage, and that was one of his incompletions. It just says that's just how dialed in you know Tua was for all the talk of of his injury, and the Judy catch. Um, I agree with the call uh, when they went back and looked at it from 13 different angles and the super slow-mo and all that. I, I agreed with the call. However, I did think that they would come back and say it was in, it's inconclusive to overrule. I, I thought there was a chance that they might, that they might say, it looks like, but it, we're going to go inconclusive and and but they ended up overturning it, and I do think that's probably the right call. Um, but it's so aggravating because you know there was there's also the, the ball did move, but it's also true that Judy didn't drop the ball either. He he maintained possession, and so it, it, it's like it wobbled just enough to inject the doubt. But had he been in the middle of the field, you know he. It, it would have been, you know, a clean possession. So that that's sort of a wonky sort of nuanced because of exactly where his body was, you know, on the field, off the field, uh, that sort of dictated the call. I wish that had been a catch because that was a, you know, that was a big gain uh, in, in a drive that we were kind of stalling out. And that would have been sort of a, a sort of a kick in the pants for, for the offense there. But, uh, um, you know, it was a great pass. It was a great placement. It was great body control, catching the ball. Everything about it was great, except for 
the sideline. <laughs> well, it was it was a phenomenal pass. And to your point, we would have, you know, it was third and 10 at the Oklahoma 47 on that play. We would have, you know, gotten to like the 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. And so going back to us saying we should have scored every time we had the ball, if you don't count the last possession, which I wish we would have punched it in, sure, sure. Um, we would have scored on eight of ten possessions, yep. right? And so had Jerry Judy caught that ball, we probably would have scored on nine out of the ten times we had the ball in this yep. football game, Yep. which is, which is just amazing. Um, but, but I thought it was a phenomenal throw. Well, real quick before we flip the field, I know Saban is Saban. I know he doesn't like to get 50. But because we dominated this football game, because the score, the margin should have been greater for the nation to see than 11 points, okay, I knew when Josh Jacobs on first and 10 at the 25-yard line with a minute and 15 seconds left in the game, and he has his great 19-yard run to the six-yard line, I knew it was done. Yep. I knew Saban was done then, right, before the announcers even saw him take his headset off. But my question to you is why? It's 45 to 34 at that point. This team, you've left this other team stay in the game and you should have put them away. We we don't need style points. I get it. But what would it have hurt there to end on an exclamation point, put the margin back to 18 and get over 50? Why? Why not do that right there? I think I think it's a couple different reasons. I think he I think he does and and you know everything I saw sort of leading up to the game. I don't know that they have a lot of experience with one another, but I think there's some. I think he has some respect for uh, uh, for uh, the Oklahoma the Oklahoma coach. I'm drawing a blank, but I do think he has some respect there. Uh, I do think that that Saban is not, he he's just not a proponent of running up the score, and so I don't think he was. I don't think he was going to run up the score just anyways. And I also think that there's there's also a little bit of you know, we went back and forth with them. They kept cutting it to 11, and we kept getting a little bit nervous. You know what? If that's the final score, that's okay, because that'll help my messaging this next week. I don't think this is something we need to send a message for a whole bunch of other teams. You know, this is not early September, mid-September, where we're setting a message, you know, that just for the whole rest of the team. This is a, this is a one snapshot event, uh, good or bad, you know, you win the game, right? But but everything, everything other other than that, doesn't pretend how the season's going to play out. It just gives us something that we can carry into the next game, uh, motivation wise. I uh, also think, and we've we've talked about this before. I I think that when you when we approach that goal line type situation in games like that, I I wouldn't be surprised if because his his personality and and the relationship we, he has with players. I wouldn't I would not be surprised if when the play is called it, you know, the message is also conveyed. This is your chance. If you're going to get it, get it. And 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 because how many times have we seen a play run with that little extra oomph on it and it doesn't get it. And you could almost just see the player like, ah, we didn't get it. And well, it, like makes you said, you, when, it makes you think that Josh Jacobs run was like that then, man, because yeah. he seemed like he was giving it everything he had. It was like we're going to run whatever the play call name is. And hey guys, this is it. It's almost like this is your chance, and everybody knows what that means. Um, I swear, I would not be surprised if if that happened. Uh, and and there's been multiple times where we've seen that the player just do that extra 
uh, you know, trying to get, and and they're almost grinning when they don't get it, right? And, and uh, because they know that was it, I gave it my shot, and everyone like gets a kick out of, we went for it, we didn't get it, and um, and then you know the game's over. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that uh, that uh, that we didn't go for the the score there for all of those reasons, right? Um, I just I'm not know. surprised either, man. But after we had sat there and. You know, literally those last few drives, Oklahoma scores, we score, Oklahoma scores, we score, Oklahoma scores. And it's like, man, I mean, just. I think I think it gives them and we'll switch over to defense. I think I think it gives. It underscores the message that he's going to carry back to the defense in preparing for Clemson. If we had bumped it over 50 and then a, you know, we got 50 and it's an 18 point margin. I think that waters down the. I think that waters down the message to the defense. That's fair. Well, who do you have for your mini game ball? Uh, Not mini game ball, but I do want to talk about Lester Cotton. I thought he played well. I thought he missed some blocks. I think we missed Deontay Brown. Uh, We went for 200 yards rushing. Easily would have gone for 250 uh, had Deontay been in. Um, Again, not mad at Lester. Uh, You know, Central High uh, product. But – there's a reason he got beat by Deontay, and I think some of that showed against Oklahoma. What do you think? Well, I agree, but I, I love the fact that he's home and that he didn't get to make the trip. And yeah. um, I, I love that Saban puts um, following the team rules over, you know, potentially a victory. And yeah. and I and I love the fact that that no one person is above <clears throat> the team. I'll say yeah. it that way. No, I agree. I agree. Um, mini game ball. I am going uh, Henry Ruggs. You mentioned him. Um, <clears throat> obviously, he had the touchdown pass, but um, his downfield blocking, his downfield play is something that has just been a treat to watch this season. You talk about seeing another game uh, in which a player could have but didn't uh, do that. And Ruggs has been sort of Johnny on the spot all season long. Uh, on one of Jerry Judy's uh, catches, he was streaking down the sideline and would have scored, but a defender sort of circled back around and and made the tackle. And Henry Ruggs was right there, and, and, and he always sort of chases to the ball to, you know, what can I do to help? Uh, and and he tried, and if you go back and, and look at it, he tried to nose in between uh, Jerry and in the defender. But it was just so close that that he might have bumped Jerry or knocked the ball, and so he kind of pulled back. But you, you could tell that he was thinking, if I can just get there, then I can I can throw that block. And you could almost see the thought bubble over over his head. And then Jerry Judy got got tackled, and you could almost just see. And maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I could just see that thought bubble over his head that said, Ah, I was just a step short, or I would have blocked him. And uh, I just like that tenacity. You don't see that a lot out of receivers, especially, you know, high quality star uh, caliber receivers. And every time Henry Ruggs does that, it just makes my day. And uh, and that was a fun play to watch just to see him want to get in there and block. Um, I got a tr- I got a kick out of that. No, man, I think that's a good pick. Um, I'm I'm going to not follow many game ball rules here uh, on, on one occasion. Uh, I'll follow the rules to start with. I got two. All right. Uh, the, the first I want to give is to, to Ross Piercebacher. Mm. Um, 
there there was a play that Ross missed on a combo block and let the linebacker squeeze in and and caused that potential fumble by Damian Harris to start the game. That's the only blown play that I saw that he had. Right. And the reason I'm giving him this many gang ball is because he's a red shirt senior and outside of Lester Cotton, you know, he's surrounded by two sophomores and a junior. And and he unselfishly has made the move from guard to center when we needed it this year. Yep. And and had he not done this, you know, this team wouldn't be sitting here, you know, not missing a beat because we know how you and I have seen games where the center's gone down and a backup's come in and we've seen what's happened. Yep. Um, and so uh, and and just look at what Quentin Williams is doing to other team centers. So just just a nod to to Pierce Bacher, man, on on just thank you for for what you've done unselfishly by switching to center. Um, I think, and then no, I think I just go ahead. you know I I don't know if you remember this was a couple of years ago and and you and I were coming back from uh, you know seeing Alabama in 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 Dallas. I think it was I guess it was against the USC and all all fall practice. Pierce Bacher was going to play center. He, you could tell in his interviews that he did not want to play center. And like days before the game, Bradley Bozeman was was bumped in at center. Pierce Barker went back to to guard. And then, you know, and that was the reality for the last two years. And before this season, Pierce Barker had his demeanor because I was suspect. And when he said, you know, he's going to be center, I thought, man, we've tried this before. The dude doesn't want to play center. Uh, but this year, his persona, his personality – in the interviews, the ownership he had over the position, it was a different person. I swear the interviews two years ago in the preseason to this year preseason, you would think it was two different people. And so he owned, he took ownership over the position this year in a way that he didn't uh, a couple of years ago. And, and and that's something that I remember. And so I think that's very fitting that, that you call him out and that he had such a great day. And you're exactly right that uh you know, we've seen backup centers come in. We won't mention any names. And and it is a different offense. It is a different line. And the fact that he came in, took ownership over the position, and and there was, and, you know, losing Bozeman coming into this year was one of the big losses. How do we replace the center? And, and Pierce Baker uh, performed admir- admirably all season long. So, no, I just want to sort of park on that and sort of jump up and down on that point because I think it's phenomenal. Now go break the rules well, with your next one. So my my I'm breaking my rules with Josh Jacobs because he technically is not a starter, but obviously he's he's not mini game ball worthy. He he has he has earned you know thrusting himself into yep. the spotlight. And so this is a kid that I don't think we're going to see next year. And I nope. and I hope he has a great game uh, against Clemson and that we can talk about it. But just the the skill set that he brings to this team. <laughs> Um, is just amazing. And and what he does for this team, you know, you just can't imagine if he wasn't there. I mean, he, he finishes four, four, four pass receptions for 60 yards, mm-hmm. third on the team in catches. I mean, to put it in perspective, Jerry Judy had four catches for 73 yards, and he was third with four catches for 60 yards. And, oh, by the way, he led the team in rushing after finishing third in receiving for the team. And so he accounted for 100 and 58 total yards he would have had a lot more had brian robinson not mucked the fair catch um but here's a guy on an offense with like all these weapons and he still finished with like you know 160 total yards 
And so this guy is going to play in the NFL for quite a long time. And um, just just kudos to him. And obviously because he was playing against, you know, his home team that, you know, that that didn't really give him any love until Saban gave him love. So uh, I just think it's awesome. I just love the grin on his face every time he made a play. He knew that he was that he was turning the knife and he was having yeah, I mentioned it a couple of times. Um, my wife and I were watching the game and I mentioned it, you know, more than more than once that he's having more fun out there than anybody. And uh, and that and that was just a treat to see. And so I think that's a that is a worthy call out. If I could and I know they do the NFL draft and all of that. If I could just pick him up and put him on an NFL team, I would put him on the Kansas City Chiefs with that quarterback, that dynamic offense. Andy Reid is the play caller. And I would say he's a future Hall of Famer because I just think he has that diversity of skill set and not all NFL coaches know what to do with that they like they think they like having it but they don't really know what to do with it and Andy Reid knows what to do with it uh I just think that would be a match made in football heaven no that's a good call man well let's flip the field um on defense let's unpeel a little bit more what I was talking about with Mac Wilson let's do it and, and so you've got a dynamic quarterback <clears throat> who is electric with the ball in his hand and let's face it he 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 does more damage with his feet than he does with his arm. I'm not saying the guy can't pass, but he's more dynamic running the ball. And so when Oklahoma was down 28 to nothing and there was no life here, um, you know, they sit there. I mean, teams have shown that our weakness is across the middle. Yep. And, and against our linebackers. Now, to be fair, Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses has had to play a hell of a lot of football, right? And and due to injuries and other guys not being ready, et cetera, let's face it, Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson have been the only two guys, right, <clears throat> due, to, due to losses like Keith Holcomb and other things which have happened in this program, right? So it's a hot, humid day. They said the humidity was like 88%, hot as hell. Yep. Got to play against a guy who's fast like this. I get all that, right? But I just don't think Mac Wilson had the Mac Wilson type of game. And so and I and I don't know why what caused that. But what I want your take on is if you go back and look at the total offense that Oklahoma had to beat Alabama, they had th- they had two blown assignments across the middle to guys that they don't normally throw the ball to. They had two big runs where we dropped off in like a 40-yard zone and just let Kyle Murray run free, okay? And then, for some reason, we decided not to give any help to damn uh, – uh, we decided not to give any help to Patrick Sertain against uh, C.D. Lamb. If you take away if you take away man-on-man C.D. Lamb and those couple plays, that's the Oklahoma offense. Yep. That's it. That's all they got. That's all they were able to do in this whole football game. And so, so why do you think our linebackers were dropping? Why do you think they were dropping so deep and just giving up the middle of the field like that? I think it was all about keeping the play in front. <clears throat> I think that we know our linebackers, and 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 I'll say linebackers in general. I mean, Dylan Moses is is not the best in coverage, but you know he's better than Mac. Um, Mac is more of a downhill. I think I think linebacker. Um, and so to put him in coverage, um, I think they 
They they wanted him a, a little deeper to keep the play in front of him, to keep the quarterback in front of him, because he didn't have the speed to. Um, and I'll I'll kind of pick on Mac a little bit. He doesn't have Kyler Murray's speed, and so he can't shadow Kyler Murray from close to the line of scrim, scrimmage. Back him up a few yards where he has the opportunity of the angle, and he's a more effective shadow. And so I think there's I think there's a, a little bit of that. Um, and you mentioned you know Patrick Sertain. Um, <clears throat> I think he was definitely picked on. I think they decided. Uh, Oklahoma did who they were going to pick on. I think there were, and I hate to, I hate to sort of throw this out there. There were a couple of push-offs and I don't know if they were all worthy of being called, but at least, you know, pick one, at least one of them was worthy of being like, Hey, Hey, let's cut that out. And so they shouldn't have all been called. There were some legitimate catches. Uh, there probably should have been one in there that, that could have been called because I think Ten there were multiple could have been called. Yeah, yeah there were multiple yeah. multiple pushoffs. And I'll say this too, uh, and this this will resonate with something I said a, a minute ago. The fact that Patrick Sertain got beat the way that he did, you know, this is not mid September where we're figuring out what we've got in this guy, and and all of a sudden we need to be nervous that we don't have an answer at corner. We know who he is, what he is, and what he's capable of. And this game against Oklahoma was an anomaly against a high-powered passing offense. And so I think he's going to be better for it. And this will make him better even this next week going into the Clemson game. And and that's a very different dichotomy is if this were, you know, September the 14th and we're sitting there thinking, shit, we don't have a cornerback. Um, I think those are two different things. And so I think um, I think Mac was it was about keeping the play and especially the running quarterback in front. And a Patrick, um, I think there could have been a push off called. Uh, I think the officials probably Saban, you know, they, they do all this sort of awareness. Uh, hey, let's call the push offs next week. And so I think there's some of that. And I think Patrick, uh, I think he'll play better next week as a result. So that that's. I mean, that's a lot of stuff kind of throwing back at you, but uh, those are my thoughts on on those couple of topics. All right, so so let's go back to Patrick Sertain for just a quick second. Oklahoma did not have – okay, I guess my question is, is they did not go after Savion Smith at all, okay? They were just going after Sertain. Mm-hmm. And and we don't flip our corners, right? Our 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 boundary corner is our boundary corner, right? And he's going to stay on that side of the field. When Oklahoma would go to a two wide out set, we would take out our 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 nickel, right? Mm-hmm. And so so we we would literally uh, at that point we would be running with four DBs in the game, okay? But most of the game we stayed with in a cover two with two deep safeties. Yep, and so. I just don't know why we didn't provide some help over the top to certain on some of that. Like like allow him to be more aggressive on the out pattern yeah. by giving him support over the top. Because it's I, not like it's not like all the other receivers were beating us. Yes, yes, Rambo had that one touchdown, which sure. we can talk about that in a minute. But for the most part, their other receivers did nothing. Nothing. Okay. And so when you've got one receiver who finished with eight catches on the day, 
And 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 it, this was kind of like watching the old Alabama players, right, with Amari Cooper, right, where he'd have eight or ten catches and nobody else would be doing anything. I guess when you had one receiver being successful, I'm just surprised Saban didn't roll support over the top and try to cut that off. No, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, watching on TV, it's hard to keep up with all of – uh, the secondary packages that we're running. But, <clears throat> you know, I saw in 21, Jared Maiden in there quite a lot, uh, which suggests that we were in dime quite a lot, which only underscores your point. Why would we not, um, you know, provide, um, you know, some support over the top there? I don't have an answer. Uh, I don't have an answer for that. And I think that's certainly something that the, the coaching staff will take a look at. All right. So let's talk about Mac Wilson real quick. Go back to him just very briefly. What I found so interesting about this game, which is why I talked about him reading his press clippings, is I'm sure when you went back and watched the replays of the two big plays across the middle, one to the fullback and one to the tight end, on both of those plays, um, and and I guess specifically I want to go back to the one to the fullback, because this is when it was 28 to nothing. And they've got first and 10 at their 25. And Murray passes a pass to Carson Meyer for 39 yards to the Alabama 36. So that one play got 40 yards. And on that play, Dave, Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson are both dropping back. And Mac Wilson comes over and covers the area where Dylan Moses is supposed to be. And Dylan Moses in the replay is pointing over to the uh, he's pointing to his right to Mac Wilson and he sees that guy Carson Meyer bleeding across in front of them and he points to Mac Wilson like hey hey get him mm-hmm. Mac Wilson on the replay is 10 yards behind Dylan Moses covering nobody covering space like way behind Dylan Moses 10 yards behind him and he did that three times in this game where the replay Dylan Moses who's supposed to be your you know he he's not as good of a nickel linebacker right he kept showing Mac Wilson where he was supposed to be. And so on this show, man, we call it like it is. I think this is the worst football game I've ever seen Mac Wilson play. Well, and, and you know, that may be that may be pretty close to, to being the case. I, for whatever the reason, and it just seems we just almost rotate the names, um, you know, we have not had a really good cover linebacker. <clears throat> I mean, I want to say C.J. Mosley. Uh, it's been, which is to say, it's been a while. And so um, I think Dylan Moses has some of the tools. I think he's more athletic than than Mac is. Mac is bigger body. I, I really like Mac Wilson as a linebacker. Uh, I think that in in sort of in in space, you know, he can he, he can be sort of a body in space, but in coverage and and diagnosing routes, that's just not his strong suit. And so I he's more of an in the box playing downhill linebacker for, for my money and, and just really good at that. But um I think in, in this game, in this in this scheme against this opponent, we needed linebackers or we needed our linebackers to play more of a secondary type skill set. And <clears throat> And and a, not a knock on the guy, but that's just you know that's not Mac's strong suit. Um, and and so well here's well here. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I just you know, and so you get lapses. I guess I'm a long way getting there. Um, it's not what he does. It's not what he's good at. And there were lapses. So here's my question: 
we've seen games with these two talented safeties where they are able to get down in the box, right, and give run support. Yep. And so in this game, we would see Christian Miller drop off the line of the scrimmage at the last minute to shadow uh, the quarterback. We saw uh, Jennings drop off to shadow and try to shadow the quarterback. I'm just wondering why we didn't either, in our dime formation with Jared Maiden in the game playing center field, okay, or in our base nickel, why not on those third down plays walk Xavier McKinney up into the box next to Mac? Okay, I'll say it this way. Normally in this game, because we only have two deep on inside linebackers, we don't see both linebackers in the game on third down. We see Dylan Moses come out of the game, right? And we see Xavier McKinney dropping the box or Deontay Thompson dropping the box next to Mac Wilson. Mm -hmm. In this game, we didn't see that. It's like they were so scared about the explosive offense that they kept the safeties out of the box and they kept Dylan Moses on the field with Mac Wilson on every third down. And so those guys didn't get a playoff. They were in the game the whole time. And I think if you had put Xavier McKinney in the box, who's a faster, physical, strong safety, I think he could have been a shadow on the Oklahoma quarterback, and I'm just surprised we didn't do that. Yeah, and no, I think that's fair. I think, you know, McKinney certainly had a really good day himself. Um, you know, no one had a, a, a breakout number of tackles, so to speak, but I think McKinney had one of the better stat lines with five tackles. And most impressive to me was four pass deflections. Uh, I think Calamari, um, you know, he was 19 of 37 on passing, so he was not efficient by any stretch. And Xavier was responsible for deflecting four of those Um you know, there may have been a little bit of let's not mess with what this dude's doing because, you know, he's making a big contribution in the secondary. But sure, I, think I that, just would have liked to see him in the middle instead of Mac Wilson seemed lost. And I think one of the safeties could have helped with that. Yeah, no, that's fair. I don't disagree. Um, I don't disagree with that. I want to give uh, a little bit of nod to Anthony Jennings. Um, a couple of plays. He looked like Stretch Armstrong out there, uh, you know, with his long arms. Uh, early in the game, he had a sack where, you know, he was fully engaged uh, with the blocker, but he just stuck his arm out there and reached and reached and reached and brought down Colin Murray, uh, you know, with one arm. And then on another play, he was engaged, but, you know, he stuck his paw in there and batted down a pass. Um, you know, no one really lit up the stat sheet, but Xavier and, and Anthony had, um, you know, a couple of in- instances of big plays that, uh, you know, you talk about not knocking down a pass or, you know, getting getting someone to uh, a third down or defeating a, a third down play. Uh, they they had, um, I thought, some of the bigger plays on defense. And I kept looking for an interception. I kept I would have swore that we were going to get one, and uh, and we, we didn't for two. the day. Yeah, yeah we should have gotten two, which would have which would have stopped two of these drives that ended up getting touchdowns, right? Which yep. uh, which have, which have changed the complexion of the game. And dude, this game reminded me a lot of the Alabama-Auburn game um, that we lost at home, you know, uh, when, when Auburn when Auburn had Cam Newton. Yep. And all these little quirky plays just didn't go our way. Yep. Because, like, man, starting in the second half, Oklahoma gets the ball, and, you know, you want to shut the door right there, right? You want to keep them from putting any points on the board here. And they've got first, and, you know, they, they let the clock run out, delay of game on the first play. Now it's first and 15, and Dylan Moses, you know, tackles uh, Kyler Murray 
on first and 15 and sacks him for a 10-yard sack, but because he grabs his jersey as a horse, co- horse collar, it's a 15-yard penalty, and now now Oklahoma's got first and 10 at the 40-yard line. Right. I mean, that was a huge play that, that you know, had he just, you know, in the spur of the moment, it just didn't go our way, right? Well, then, then later in the game, man, when we're just, like you said, we're bouncing around between this 11 and 18 and 11 and 18 garbage, you know, I want to get your take real quick. The the score is 45 to, to 27 at this point. And, well, I guess let me back up and say it this way. For everything that had gone that way, with nine minutes left in the game, Oklahoma's only got 20 points. I'm going to tell you, if we could have finished with them getting 20 points and taking the air out of the ball, I would have felt good about that. Right. I guess what really irks me is with nine minutes left in the game, they got two more touchdowns. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. and so specifically on that second touchdown drive, once again, we were helping them. You know, give me your thoughts on Raekwon Davis because, you know, Raekwon Davis sacks the quarterback but then proceeds, you know, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, well, I guess the drive before, Mac Wilson sacks the quarterback but gets a face mask, right? So it gives them 15 yards. And then on the very next drive, Raekwon Davis sacks the quarterback, but, you know, he takes his helmet off and gets a 15-yard penalty. So some of that, it just seemed like we were, we were shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit. Yeah, some of that was. I think, I think you know, there's an opportunity for composure there. Uh, you know, Raycon was saying that, <clears throat> that he thought a flag had already been thrown and so he thought it was complete sort of dead, dead situation. And so that's why he took his helmet off. I don't know if he's just sort of making excuses on that. Um, you know, you don't see every player take their helmet off between plays. And so it's certainly something that that he should not have. I think that he thought that he had sacked the quarterback. Um, and, and in reality, he didn't. It looked like <clears throat> there was some space uh, where his knee didn't quite go down. And so I think that he was taking his helmet off to sort of plead and argue with the official, which, you know, not the best thing, not his best decision on the day. So um, I just think that's just a composure thing. I think they were playing chippy. Uh, I think our guys were getting a little bit frustrated because, and and again, I go back to giving credit to Oklahoma that they had some perseverance and and wherewithal to continue doing what they do. Um, And, uh, and I think, I think, you know, Raekwon demonstrated some some frustration uh, at that, and that's probably something that that um, you know he could be coached up on because it, he should have just he should have just rolled you know rolled with it, and you know maybe in the first quarter you do roll with it, but later in the game you're tired, you're hot, you want to get off the field. Um, you know he he probably could have composed himself a little bit better. Well, tell me what else jumped out at you on defense before we do uh, game balls. I think, um, you know, the big thing, and, and this was even a surprise to, to see this, you know, we allowed Alabama defense allowed 471 yards. And I think that certainly <clears throat> that may be the biggest total that we've allowed uh, on the season. And that certainly is a bulletin board type of stat that gives the coaching staff all the leverage they need to, to really, you know, get into the face of, of the players and, and grab their attention. But the sort of the, the, um, you know, the other side of that story is that that was the second fewest yards that Oklahoma has all season. 
which is pretty darn impressive when you think about it. And so 471 is a big number, but anytime you hold um, a team to, you know, their second lowest uh, yardage total in the season, then that's pretty good too. So I think there's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, you could reason that maybe we did as good as we were going to do against them. Um, and, and it was, it was a bigger number than you that you'd like, but uh, still an opportunity to, to carry back that back to the players. So that was one of the things that, that really stood out to me. Uh, I, I want to mention this. We're in defense, and I think this has some carryover to, to special teams. Um, <clears throat> I got the sense that, and this will sound like I'm really sort of heaping on Oklahoma, and I don't intend it to be that way at all. I'm just not sure how to say this um, in a way that sort of conveys what I'm thinking. But there were a couple of times they went for it on fourth down, and I thought it was a – a, just a horrible, poor, bad decision to go for it on fourth down. Uh, it was the distance was a little longer. The field placement wasn't good. Um, and they didn't, you know, run a fake or anything. They just were going to go run a fourth down play. And it was almost like, and I know Lincoln Riley is a good coach, um, but it was almost like a noviceness to what they were doing where they said, huh. It was almost like the thought bubble was, huh. Now is one of those times in the game where we need to extend this possession. So we will go for it on fourth down. And um, and then it, and it never worked. And, and, and it was always sort of a bad – the dynamic of them doing it was, was always bad. And one of the times that really stood out to me, um, they went for it. I think we ended up getting the ball in like the 45-yard line, really good field position. And – and Lincoln Riley got all the players around him and the footage for the camera and almost looked like he was like the eye of the hurricane. They had all the players all around and, and the commentators were making a big deal about, Hey, he's rallying the troops and all that. And, and my thought was dude's full of shit. Um, he put them in a very bad position with a bad play call at a bad time of the game. And then now he's going to go try to, you know, rally the forces to sort of bail his ass out. I thought a better situation would have been punt the ball away, pin pin Alabama inside the 10. Now, guys, let's let's get this together. Defense, you know, we've not put you in a bad position. Let's go get them out. Three and out. Offense, you're going to get the ball. And then then you actually have something to rally around. But we're rallying around a failed fourth down where you give, you know, an Alabama offense that's which has been prolific this season. You give to a, you give the Alabama offense a very short field, and then that's going to be your rally cry. I just, I just thought there was some noviceness in um, a little bit of of how they were conducting their offense. Well, I, I agree with you on the surface, and when you go back and look at the final stats, you're surprised to see that they they got they went for it three times and they converted two out of three. And 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 I'm going to tell you that when they went for it on fourth and four at their 48, down by 21 to nothing at the end of the first quarter, I wonder if it's the part of we have to score every time we have the ball because Alabama's going to score every time they have the ball. And so 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 I want your take on that because I agree with what you're saying. Like the the football the football playbook, right? You have flipped the field. You can flip the field, right? Because you're at the 50 yard line, and so and and you are 21 to nothing. The game's not over, but it's kind of like when Saban went and did his onside kick in the Clemson game. I think at that point in the in that national championship game, he was like, 
we can't stop them. We have to have one more possession than they do. Well, guess what? Oklahoma's punter, he's as crappy as Alabama's punter is. He had two punts on the day. He averaged 37.5 yards. So I get what you're saying. I, that's that's the difference. <clears throat> I hear what you're saying, and, and that's a fair comparison to the onside kick against Clemson. But we had something up our sleeve. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I'm just saying real quick to you that I think he was scared right there. They were up 21 nothing. Alabama had done everything they wanted to do so far, and he's like, "We got to score right now, or this game's over." But what we're talking about, but you know, the counter position is if we don't get this, we're essentially giving them a touchdown, and so. If if you know if you're sitting there at 21 and, and you say we've got to cut this to 14 or this game is over, then I don't think you make a decision with a lower than with with a low probability. And then if you don't get it, you you get them to 28. Um, it just it just seems like now if they were down at the 35 and and you would say we want to go for a you know a fourth down conversion rather than kick a field goal. And then you know if we don't get it. And you know they're down this far down the field. Something like that makes a lot more sense than right Just here the in the, the middle yeah. of the field. I am yeah. so afraid of being 21 down that I am going to risk being 28 down. That just to me it just that, didn't make sense. No, that's fair. I, the down and distance. I, I get the fact that you're at midfield, and and Alabama ended up only punting the ball twice on the day, and one of those punts came after that incomplete pass to Jerry Judy that you know could right. have also been a catch. Right. So I get what you're saying. I, I think maybe he just panicked a little bit. I'll say it this way. I think football wise it makes sense to do what you said. I think he was I think I think that was a desperation call out of panic. Yeah. No, that's fair. Who's your, uh who's your, you got who's your on, mini uh, game ball? Mini game ball. I'm going uh I'm going deep uh for this one. I'm going Fildarian Mathis. <clears throat> I think that um you know, he came in when when Quinnen uh, got dinged a little bit. Uh, you know, he only had two tackles, tackles, but uh, uh, he demonstrated just an incredible amount amount of hustle. Um, I hesitate to say sideline to sideline. Um, I think that's too much of a cliche, but you know, he was stripe to stripe. He was very active, uh, <clears throat> making plays, chasing chasing down plays. Um, I like the depth and the hustle. Um, I'm sorry, man. My cold is catching up with me. Uh, his his he showed a lot of uh, a lot of hustle and provided depth. And I think we might lose uh, the Alabama defensive front may lose three guys. Um, and Phil Darian, I think, is going to be, you know, a leading candidate for a mainstay position next year. And all season long, he's sort of grown and evolved and progressed. And uh, I thought he looked really good against Oklahoma. So I'm giving a tip of cap to uh, um, the one Phil Darian Mathis. All right, so I'm going to break the rules again, and I'm giving it to Dylan Moses. And the reason I'm going to give it to Dylan Moses is there was a couple of those blown assignments by Mac Wilson where Dylan had been asked to rush the passer. And so uh, Mac Wilson was in the box by himself, and Dylan Moses was rushing Murray. Yep. Then when the assignment got blown, he was the one hustling 40 yards down the field to tackle the guy out of bounds so it wouldn't be a touchdown. He saved one touchdown that way and and for sure. And so I'm just going to tell you that Dylan Moses was already a good player, but Dylan Moses, in my opinion, became next year's leader of the defense in this football game. That's fair. 
I think that's a good call. <clears throat> I, I just, I'm sorry, man. He he led the team in tackles. He didn't come off the field. He wasn't out of position. He hustled his ass off the entire game. And uh, I think we're going to look back. Kind of like what you said about Patrick Sertain, and this is going to help Patrick against Clemson. Yep. Well, guess what? It helped Alabama to face Murray right now and face that elusive quarterback right this second going yes. into this next opponent. It was yes, right, so, I would no, I and and to underscore that, I I would I'm I would much rather play Oklahoma in the first round than I would in the second round. Yes, no, that's fair. Uh, well, let's touch on special teams because I know we've kind of gone long, but let's touch on special teams real quick. You know, I, I really wish Brian Robinson would not have raised his oh, hand boy. on that play. You know, and even though Josh Jacobs came up there and caught him off of it, they called the ball down at the twenty. Man, what a huge lapse on Brian on Brian's part. You know, as as they were getting those back to back unsportsmanlike penalties, and and they you know they count both of them, and so I I was trying to think thirty yards. How are they gonna you know count this off? And so they kicked off from the ten, and um and it, it went for the biggest knot um that that you could ever imagine. Those thirty yards is just just dissolved into nothing. Um, Brian Robinson calling for the fair catch is at the twenty. It, it is it is it is three things. <laughs> it is you know it you know why does he call the fair catch when he's not the one catching the ball? He was he was more of the up back. He was not in position. He was not going to catch the ball. So why is he calling for the fair catch? Um, they are punting and they actually on that kid's a kickoff, they, they kick the ball 70 yards. And so, you know, the expression out kicking your coverage is, you know, grounded in just that, right? There's something of a broken field available to the runner. And so that is one of those, and I am a big proponent of just take the ball. They'll give it to you on the 25 and don't worry about it. But that's a circumstance where you go to work. And so he's not fielding the ball. Why did he call a fair catch? I don't know. Um, oh, dude, real, quick, real quick, you're out kicking the coverage, right? And this is just understanding the circumstance, right? Yes. On the replay, what made it more painful is Bama had four blockers at about the 42 to 45-yard line. There was not an Oklahoma guy even in the right. He would have easily gotten to the 50. Right. And so this is one of those, and I am more times than not, <clears throat> I'm the guy that says, just let it go in the end zone. Don't worry about it. Uh, with these new rules, uh, just call a fair catch. We'll get it on the 25. Don't worry about it. But this, you know, that can be the rule, but there are exceptions to the rule. This is the exception from the rule. They're kicking off from the stinking 10-yard line. We're going to get an open field. This is almost a broken field, you know, type situation. We have an opportunity to really go to work on this. Um, you know, let's get the ball up to midfield and then, hey, then we can go to work. Let's 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 cash in on those 30 yards. And um, and we did not. And then the third thing and I was yelling at my TV and my wife thought I was crazy. And this is what's interesting. It was the 21 yard line and everything's reporting the 20. It was the 21 yard line. And what's interesting to me and I need to go back and maybe educate myself on the rules a little bit more. But this year, the rule is if you call a fair catch, 
even you know, not just in the end zone, but if you call a fair catch, you get it on the 25. Well, he called a fair catch, but they gave Alabama the ball on the 21. And so this is part question, part observation. What what the what? <laughs> and so I wonder is the rule if you call the fair catch inside the 20, you get it on the 25. If you're outside the 20, you get it at the point of calling the fair catch because otherwise we should have gotten the ball at the 25. And so there's a part of me that says not only did we forego the opportunity for the 30 yards, we actually lost yards on the play because they gave yeah. us at the 21 instead of the 25. Yes. Nope. Nope. We have to, we have to confirm that, but based on what we saw, I think that must be the case. I mean, and, and I look at that and I say, we can't even mess up right. We can't even mess now, it up right. <laughs> all right. Now, I don't want to be mean to to Mike, okay? Oh, but yeah. – and, and, and I really appreciate uh, – I appreciate his effort. I appreciate that he has – that he has won the job. And that Dude, he, he averaged 28 yards. Don't take – don't – there's no amount of sugar you can pour on that. He started – his first – his first action of the season was against Tennessee, okay? And, and so he started off – with an average of two punts for 41 yards. And you and I said on that podcast, we can service this, right? Yes. 41 yards, we can service. If you can do that every time, we can live with that. Yeah, so guess what? J.K. Scott, okay, just finished his rookie season with the Green Bay Packers, and he averaged 47 yards a punt and 71 punts with the Green Bay Packers because I just looked it up. And so when we take your 28 yards, dude, Man, we got spoiled with some J.K. Scott, right? And so I'm going to tell you that thank goodness that we scored on eight out of ten. Yep. Thank goodness we only punted the ball twice, okay? There was one time on his second punt, it was fourth when, when we were playing the back-and-forth touchdown game with Oklahoma. It was fourth and ten at the Oklahoma 47. And the dude punted the ball directly to the left. And he punted it 22 yards, and he punted it out of bounds at the Oklahoma 25. Yep. J.K. Scott would have taken that from the 47 and skied it high up in the air, and somebody would have caught the ball at the 10 or the 5. Yep. No, he – yeah. I, and, look, I'm not mad at the guy, but two punts, 28 yards, you know, along of 34. Um, <clears throat> I even look. I went – you know, when you see small numbers like that, the first thing I want to do – is is look at well how many did we pin inside the 10 because you know if it's a short field then then, then that's going to impact the number and so if he averaged 28 yards a punt but you know both of them were inside the five then that's sort of weird but okay uh but nope there was no such animal i don't think there were any i don't think either of them were inside the 20 and Dude, so, his other punt was from the 20 and he punted at 34 yards and they started <clears> off at the 50 yard line on that possession yeah, so, yeah, the, neither of those were good. Uh, Bulovus hit a 36-yard field goal. That was good. And um, I don't know which is more surprising, the fact that he hit a 36-yard field, field goal or that he hit all six of his PATs. Um, but, I, but you know, in the in this game, that was going to be a touchdown back and forth, touchdown back and forth, touchdown back and forth. Uh, and we sort of knew that at the beginning. I was like, well, shit, we can't go missing PATs here because and if this is, truly is going to be a shootout, then – those points are going to matter, and and if they're if you're going to score enough touchdowns, where the PATs, 
you know, themselves are a touch, you know, the equivalent of a touchdown, then you got to hit every one of them. And fortunately, he did. This goes back to your tryouts on the quad, okay? We're, we're the freaking Alabama Crimson Tide, okay? I'm sorry. We better get this. We we better get this resolved in the off season. Okay. Well, we did this sign punter kicker thing. Come on. This is not, this is not not a recruiting show uh, uh, today, but we did sign the number one kicker in the country, and so that'll be fun to see how that plays out. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this match against Clemson. I wanted to. Everybody I wanted to, talking about- I wanted to just real quickly. I we saw this Oklahoma doing this on fourth downs where they sort of almost whimsically went forward on fourth down. They did the same thing on, on the Thornside's kicks. Um, they just seemed to say, oh, we need an extra possession. Um, let's do one of those onside kick things. And, you know, one of them was closer to looking conceivable than the other, but they just seemed poorly designed, poorly conceived, poorly called, poorly executed. Just, it just, there was, and again, I used, I'm making up a word, noviceness, but there just seemed to be an amateur hour to what they were doing as opposed to in you want to draw the direct comparison when we did the onside sick uh onside's kick against clemson a couple years ago well that was some shit man that was something that we had been setting that up all season long uh in terms of how we lined up the personnel and then how we kicked it and how we executed and there was a real surprise factor uh whereas Oklahoma offered none of that. And I don't know if that shit works in the Big 12 or what. I just thought that is that is bad. <laughs> I just thought that's just bad football is what I thought. Yeah, no, it 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 goes I think it really goes back to, you know, I, I should have started off this show talking about, you know, there's a reason they say defense wins championships, right? There's a reason they say offense doesn't win championships. And a team right. who's who, a team who has the the worst pass defense in college football should not be winning the championship, right? right. I'm sorry. Right. Those two things cannot be true together. Right. And so I, I think it was more of they came into this game and they've never been down 21 to nothing. And and I think they panicked a little bit when, yep. when it was 14 and 21 and 28 and, and some of that. I think that's right. Uh, so you were flipping us to, to Clemson. I think that's that's where we want to go. I just wanted to work that in. Um, sure. I, so I just want to talk about that. Well, the country's talking about this is the trilogy and this is the third game and, and they, they discount. Well, yeah, but they want to say this is the third, right? They want to just talk about this is the third national championship. Okay. And they, they and they want to forget the, the game last year in the playoffs, which, you know, to Dabo Sweeney's credit, he's getting all the love and the press about Trevor Lawrence and, and, and he's getting the love about, you know, bringing Trevor Lawrence in, um, you know, when he did last year, excuse me, when he, when he did during the season uh, to, you know, to, to, to give him the reins and, and they're, they're talking about, you know, how dynamic he is and and he's going to be a first round pick and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I had to go back and look at the stats because they were talking about how great of a runner this guy is. And I say this just because of our problems we have with running quarterbacks, right? And the, and the quarterback that he took the job from was a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah well, dude, this guy does not run the ball, okay? This guy on the season uh, has basically – the most yards he's had in a football game 
was against South Carolina. He ran the ball four times for 42 yards. Yeah, I think he's mobile in the pocket, but he can can be mobile. And that's two different things, right? I think he can be mobile in the pocket and he's capable of, you know, kind of standing tall in the pocket and and has some athleticism and can be elusive. But I think he – but he's not dynamic in the open field, Brian. Yeah, and I'm only only saying this because – and I'm not taking nothing away from the kid, right? No. Um, He's had – he's thrown 27 touchdowns and four interceptions, right? This guy shows he can he can throw the ball and he's a pocket passer and and he gives them the passing game you know that they did not get uh, before you know before he took the reins, but I only say this to say you know from from my perspective is I'm really excited that you know I'm excited that Alabama's about to face a pocket passer yep. versus a Murray because. Murray just had 19 carries for 100 yards and kept them in the game that they should not have been in because of his legs. And we do really good against pocket passers. Yep. We don't do good against, you know, the 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 couple Cam Newton games of the world that we've had, right? Has been against, you know, I that that's our kryptonite, I guess, is what I'm trying to say to you. And so I feel better about this matchup going in than maybe some other people do. No, I think that's fair. I think that um, you know, and 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 again, just a nod to Kyler Kyler Murray. I mean, he was responsible running and passing. He was responsible for 417 of their 471 yards. That is just insane. Um, if you look at the Clemson teams that we have pay, uh, you know, face, you know, Deshaun Watson twice, <clears throat> he, he is mobile. Um, he was Cam and, Newton like man. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then, you know, Kelly Bryant last year was, was mobile, uh, as well. And so Trevor Lawrence is not that, um, that doesn't mean he's not good. It just means that the threat of them, you know, pulling a, a Manziel or a Murray or, a Deshaun Watson type play, just he's he. That's not in his wheelhouse. Um, I I look at the Clemson game, and it makes me think of playing Georgia again. Um, you know, you've got a, a quarterback that's going to be more of a pocket quarterback, but you have a lot of talent around them. And you know how many times of you know when we played Michigan or when when we played uh, Wisconsin to start the season you and I walked in the stadium sort of licking our chops. This is the team that's custom built for us to beat. It's a name brand program. And the way that they take the field is going to be their own demise. And, and so those are kind of fun games to watch unfold exactly the way we expect them to. The difference with the Georgia and I think this Clemson team is that they have more talent all around that sort of buoys uh, and the quarterbacks are just better anyways, but the the level of talent across the the roster just sort of just buoys their their style of play. And so, um, you know, the last couple of games against Georgia, and not to re-break those down, but, you know, they've given us trouble. And I think Clemson, um, I don't know if they're, you know, soup to nuts as talented as Georgia, but they do have quite a bit of talent. And I, I, I think we could see that type of game. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's exactly where you were going with your, your thought process, but that's where I take it. Uh, the Clemson game in from here reminds me of, of what the last couple of Georgia games have been like. That's fair. Um, I will say that, you know, going into this game on the surface, it's kind of like we said about Georgia 
this year versus last year. Going into the game, we said this is not as talented of a Georgia team as they were the year before. And so I, I'm going to tell you that this team, to me, um, this is a young team. This team is relying on, you know, some some freshmen and sophomores yep. as some of their standout players. And so when Deshaun Watson beat us, they had a number one – they had a first-round wide receiver, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, they, and, and, and they had a – they had now a, you know, a, a starting quarterback in the NFL – and and they had a very good defense. Well, they have a very good defense again, but I just do not think that this team doesn't scare me as much. Yeah, okay? I agree. And maybe it's because it's a true freshman quarterback. And maybe it's because a quarter granted he's six foot five, but I think we can affect the quarterback and I think we can get him off of his spot. And so all the all the talk I hear about, you know, the sophomore running back who, let's face it, he he has rushed for 1,600 yards this year. He scored 22 touchdowns, but he has played in the ACC. Yep. And he's played against teams like Florida State that are not the Florida State of old. And so I, I don't think this team – I'll put it this way. I don't think that Trevor Lawrence has the stats that he had this year if he had been in the SEC all year. I'll say it that way. And so I think for the first time we've played Clemson in four years now – I think this team is more beatable than any of the other Clemson teams we've played. I think uh, you know, last year's team may <clears throat> may make a may make an argument with you, but I hear what you're saying. I think that this Clemson team, um, and this will sound counterintuitive and, and I don't think you'll hear this anywhere. This Clemson team, we I feel like we know less about how really good they are. Um, there were a lot of pundits throughout the season that said, you know, Clemson may be in a perilous position relative to making the playoffs. If they drop one game in the ACC, the ACC is so bad that their strength of schedule is so bad that if they drop one game on that schedule, they may not make the playoffs, that they have to win out, whereas an Alabama playing in the SEC could drop a game, still win the conference, and go to the go to the championship. And people were saying that in September and October. And so <clears throat> you play that out. And so Clemson plays Notre Dame. I don't know. You could reason that is Notre Dame all that good. And um, and so you could make the case that, I, I mean, I think Clemson's good, but I mean, I don't know. How good are they? I mean, we saw Syracuse, you know, almost beat them. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't want to take anything away, and I don't want to say that they're not good, and I, I want to be careful about that. But I think there's also a true element that says, who have they played? Where have that, they been, where have they been tested? Yeah, who have they played? Yes. And, you know, they, they played South Carolina, and South Carolina scored 35 points against them, right? Yeah. I Sit on that for a second. No, South and Carolina I think, yeah. I, I think, against them. I think was it Bentley? Uh, I can't remember. You're right. South Carolina in in the passing totals were were pretty impressive too. I mean, didn't they throw for over 300 yards or just something? Yeah, yeah. South Carolina. I mean, they they scored 56 points, and so they won handily. I'm just saying that South Carolina put 35 on them, and yeah. I don't think South Carolina this year puts 35. South Carolina just got blanked in their bowl game. Yeah. Right. And so, 
So I, I'm just simply saying that I don't so, – so I'll tell you that I think going into this game, um, I, I feel better about this game uh, than I did. I, I, I feel equally as good about this game as I did last year. Last year was a 24-6 to victory. I think they're going to put more points on the board than they did last year. Um, but I think, you know, we just scored eight out of ten times. I think we're going to score six out of ten times. Um, I, I think this is probably a 39 – I think this is a 39-20 victory. I, I think we double them up. Okay. I, I think you and I are – I think you and I are, are really feeling good in the third quarter. <clears throat> no, I think I, I root for that. Uh, I'm calling it a 31-24 game. Uh, I really like their defensive front. And, of course, you could reason they had the same defensive front last year. Uh, and you could reason that that defensive front allowed South Carolina to do what they did. So, you know, these storylines could be pushed and pulled uh, in different directions. I think Clemson, um, like Georgia, is is one of the rare teams that honestly thinks they can beat us. Um, and I know that will sound so darn arrogant, and I and I don't mean it to be that way. But how many times have we gone? We talked about it with Oklahoma. How many times have we gone up, you know, 14, 21, 28 points on a team, and you could literally see them say, "Check, please," and and they just got to, they literally just have to live out the rest of the game. Oklahoma thought that they could come back and respond, and and to some measure they did. Uh, Georgia has had us down. You could reason that Georgia could have easily beat us the last couple of years. Uh, with the exception of last year, you could reason that, you know, Clemson should have beat us both times, uh, for, for, you know, for the title. And so they're a team that they believe they can beat us. And there's something to that. Um, that's hard to quantify, uh, but we've just seen teams give up and I don't think Clemson gives up. And so that's why I do give it a little bit of a closer score than, than what you were saying. Okay. Well, also for the record, I hope the uh, I hope the one year suspension holds for uh, Dexter Lawrence, and uh, I, I hope that that failed drug test uh, plays out. And I, I I hope we do not see his three hundred and forty pound self in this football game. Man, they kept showing him on the sideline. I was like, whose dad is that? <laughs> He's yeah, a grown ass foot, man. Six foot four, three hundred and fifty one pounds. As you know, he was the number one player in the country when yep. he came out, and so. Um, I don't care about what shoulda, coulda, if he would have played. I hope he doesn't play in the football game. So. Well, hey, I've got two little fun facts at you. Can I? Th- can I? All right, throw them to me. I, can I take you a different direction? So yeah, their right quarterback, ahead. their quarterback, Trevor Trevor Lawrence is, um, he is from Cartersville, Georgia, which is up near my neck of the woods. Um, which Alabama player did he play high school with? Oh man, I don't know. I have no guess. So here's what's interesting. The player on the – the uh, you're going to look it up, so you're going to cheat. Uh, I'm not going to look it up. Go ahead. All right. You can tell the listeners. So, so the, the player on our team that uh, is a year ahead – I'm narrowing this down. I'm giving you clues. He's a year ahead of Trevor Lawrence, and he was the quarterback for the high school team. Trevor Lawrence came along – and the, and the coach saddled up to our player and said, hey, we might need to find you a new position because this other cat, he's he's better than you are. And so the player on our team switched positions, same side of the ball, switched positions, uh, and was good enough at that position. Here's what resonates with me. He was good enough at that position not to get to just play college ball, but that Alabama recruited him. Uh, so I thought that was that was pretty good. 
All right, so tell me like my question so much that his computer died. Uh, and those that have listened to uh, the podcast this season, I've given I've given this sort of stat before um, just on some of my solo shows. So Miller Forrestal is the guy. He was the quarterback at the Cartersville High School uh, when Trevor Lawrence came along. He moved to tight end uh, for a senior year. And a senior year, he played so well at tight end that Alabama recruited him as a tight end, which I think is pretty just darn impressive by itself. But it also speaks to Trevor Lawrence is so good, uh, was so good in high school and certainly has continued that in college that uh, that they moved out of the way, <laughs> the uh, existing start, starting quarterback. And then the second uh, sort of fun fact that, um, that I sort of stumbled upon, uh, and I've been sort of tracking this one for the last several weeks, but Oklahoma, <clears throat> the Sooners, uh, and this this will count even next week when we play uh, Clemson, the Tigers, that the Sooners – are the first non-cat or dog team that we have played since Tennessee. And actually, Tennessee, you could reason the volunteers. They have old Smokey there. You could reason that they're a dog team. But we have faced nothing but Tigers and Bulldogs uh, since October, uh, Tennessee. And so the Sooners are the only exception to us playing Tigers and uh, Tigers and dogs. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. At any rate, and I hope I've not sounded as bad as I feel, but uh, – uh, but that's what you get around the holidays. Uh, at any rate, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.